Hi friends, it's me, Morgan Ruff, and this is another episode of Uplift Conversations. Well, these all came out of the fact that I've really noticed there's just a tad bit of stress in our world right now. So much uncertainty and overwhelm, and uh, yeah, I've been feeling it. And I think for many of us who've been serving in the role of societal change makers, we might have already been feeling run down and burned out, overwhelmed, maybe even unsure of how we are moving forward. And then we've added a, a global pandemic on top of that, and we're being asked to juggle even more. And oh boy, it's a lot. If you're feeling stressed or anxious or worried or depressed, or maybe you're just feeling all the feelings all at the same time, that's sort of like me okay you're not alone um these conversations are really my way of supporting this very very uncomfortable growth period that so many of us are being forced into so i just thought well why don't we explore all those simple life hacks deep woo woo self-care and what it means to be really growing in this period of change and uncertainty and see what comes of them. I just wanted to give a shout out and say, we don't have to do this work alone. There is so much we can learn together. And if you want more, consider jumping over to my Facebook group, Uplift for Passionate Changemakers, where even more great stuff is being stirred up and, and brought forward. I really enjoyed this conversation with Kristen Stavros. I mean, how can you not absolutely fall in love with this woman? She is an inspiration beyond words. We explored a variety of topics uh, in our chat together. Uh, she talked a lot about what it means to lead from a place of abundance and love, which was a message that I just felt rang so true. We also talk about and explore how we have come to feel eh, a little bit more comfortable, more comfortable in our fear and in facing our fear, thanks to the many um, gregarious outdoor adventures that we embarked on in the earlier parts of our lives. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kristen as much as I did. And without further ado, here's Kristen. Okay, we're recording. Hi, Kristen. I'm so, so Hi, excited Morgan. to have you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Any chance to talk with you. Oh, I love it too. I know. It's, these are just such great opportunities to really connect in with people. Um, so can you just please take a few minutes and introduce yourself, who you are, where you are, and all that? Sure. So I am on Whidbey Island. Um, I'm in the Oak Harbor Coopville area up in the north end of Whidbey Island. And I am the branch manager and co-owner for Windermere Whidbey in Coopville and Oak Harbor. And but more importantly, Morgan and I have been friends for years. Um, I delight in this human and we have kind of um, always been partners in kind of the leadership journey and being able to talk about how we are really doing life differently and a little bit more bravely. Yeah, and I am just always so impressed by you and I just am so excited to have this, this time together. So 
thank you so much for being here. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. We met like it's been over 12 years, I think. Yeah. That we've been <laughs> we've been through weddings, what? we've been through children. Um, yeah, it's it's really uh, amazing. Time flies. It does. It does. So um, before we started, uh, we kind of were talking about a few things that we um, wanted to touch on today. And one of the things that I've really loved uh, seeing develop in you is this sense of a, a life mission, of this sense mm -hmm. of like really living very closely and connected to mm -hmm. your values and to your, your why. And I was hoping you could just talk a little bit about your journey to finding that why and sure. um, what is the why and you know all mm -hmm. why it's important to you and how it's playing out in your life. Yeah, totally. Think um, so. I think it's funny you say that because I was um, kind of thinking about this talk and kind of what was a message that I thought was you know really important to share. And one of them was really figuring out what you want in life and that's around kind of your core why I think most people are given a lot of their why from their upbringing like from you know your parents and your family your family has a why and you're very influenced by that I know I was greatly and then you know as I got older um I was told it was like right on time in my development in my 30s um I started to want to get really clear on what I wanted and um, butted up against the fact or the realization that a lot of what I had created in life and a lot of what I had gone after was maybe not really from me. And there was a lot of resistance in me to admit what my why really was um, and what I really cared about. I, had been kind of telling myself that um, I was, I needed to be really adventurous and outdoorsy and very earthy and green. And um, while I care about those things deeply and they were hugely formative to me um, in my growing up, it wasn't my real driver. Mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity. I mean, you were there for this big yeah. transformation. It I was, was a big rebirthing of your it whole. It really life. was. I was working um, in Tacoma. Like my office was in Tacoma. I was able to move to work out of my house on Whidbey, but I was traveling a lot. But I would have these three-hour one-way commutes once a week. Um, and when you have six hours in the car, which I'm just like, I can't even imagine that now. Like 30 minutes is a long time, but... Um, I just, I had to get really still and really thoughtful and really listening to that niggling inside. Um, I listened to a lot of books and I listened yeah. to a lot of podcasts. And what I came to realize was I was, I, I really wanted to be on Whidbey. I did not want to follow my career path. So like, I was like, okay. I could excel in my industry and um, keep going, but it, it would absolutely require a move to a metropolitan area. And it, it, as much as there was a huge part of me that really wanted that, you know, there was the like, I want to achieve and, and succeed and climb this. I, I wanted more to have a beautiful space and 
life, um, at least for my, you know, what did that look like? I wanted to be close to my parents. I wanted to have a family um, near my parents um, mm -hmm. so that I had grandparents in the mix. My um, husband and I really wanted property and, and just a small community. I grew up in Southern California where like, God, you didn't know anything. <laughs> like you could just be a stranger right. all the time. And while there's like some fishbowl-ness to being uh, in a small community, I just, the, it's my thing. Like I love knowing by two degrees of separation who, it, who and what is going on in my community. And the other thing that I really had to admit to myself was that um, I really wanted to be a boss. Mm -hmm. Like I really wanted to, I wanted to be the shot caller. I wanted to truly be the buck stops here for success or for, you know, not success. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to like say that I had control of the out, like that doesn't sound right. Like not control of the outcomes, but that I was, I was able to have full creative control. Um, mm -hmm. And be able well, to and also like guide, set a direction and mm -hmm. help to, it's like clear that path for yeah. the outcomes to totally. Foster. Well, but at first it was really just about like owning it, like being mm -hmm. boss, right? Being the master of my own destiny um, mm. was kind of the thing. Not, not what roles can I take and how do I get ahead and how do I get a net new position that gives me more um, power. How do I just want it? Like, I don't yeah. want to have to climb any ladders or go through anybody else's thing. I just want to be the master of my own destiny. Very and, entrepreneurial. Yes, spirit. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's when I also admitted, like, I want to make some money. Like, I don't want to <laughs> have to, I want to do some things in my life and I want to be able to money helps money is power to a large degree. And I had a lot of guilt around that because that's what happens when you're a, a greenie in a, in a government field. It's like, yes. well, but you know, you and I both talked about this so many times where we looked at the people who were in power and who were in the positions of influence and making the decisions around really big environmental impacts. And they all made their money from totally different industries. Like they mm -hmm. all had money and position and influence. Um, and it wasn't by being in the trenches. Uh, it was from something completely different. And so it didn't, that helped me realize that it's not bad. Like it's not a bad thing to be in other industries. And we also had always felt like we need allies. We need people in all the industries that have a more holistic approach and it's not just about profit only mm -hmm. um, and so I think you know as much as I don't wear my uh, greenness I guess as a cloak on the outside in this position my 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 biggest concern for or my biggest driver I guess I would say is human change like internal change human impact and I think that that is core to us ever really solving huge, large, you know, issues on earth. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I'm so inspired by that. Mm. <laughs> I really feel like, um, kind of personal, uh, health and so social health are two sides of the same coin. Yes. And social health is very broad. It includes environment and it includes healthy communities and it includes, you know, all the different attributes and yet 
we can't have a healthy society if if our own internal systems, our individual systems are kind of broken down, run down, burned out. And if we're not allowing abundance into our lives. Exactly. And I think that's a trap that so many people in the environmental field get into is a sense of, um, I have to suffer, I have to be poor, I have to be, you know, in the trenches in order to serve. And someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. We have to like, you know, beat the battle. <clears throat> if I could wave a magic wand and deliver to every human on earth, two things, I think it would, that would completely change our reality. It would be to help shift everybody into an abundance mindset and help them have love be the driver in their life and not fear. And if just those two things could happen, everything would change. Okay, we're back. (laughs) That was such a profound, beautiful statement. And I just wanted to comment just so you're talking about leading from abundance and love. So not letting Mm -hmm. fear Mm -hmm. and scarcity be the underlying drivers of our lives, but instead moving into this place of abundance and love. And that's how I see you operating in the world. And that's what I love so much about you is that you are truly embodying those principles Mm -hmm. and working to spread them out into your community, into your home, into your family, into your network of people. And it's just so inspiring to watch as you travel that path and and really walk in those shoes and, and lead from that space. Yeah. And it's, it's not easy. Um, especially when you're, as I'm transitioning into business owner and you've got all these, um, people's lives, uh, you know, you're influencing them. And especially when you go into a time of that we're experiencing (laughs) now, um, and where you can actually visibly see the world being driven by scarcity and fear. Like, Mm -hmm. I think when you operate from abundance and love and you really fight to operate from there, you, it, everything starts to become much clearer when it's not, when people are not operating from that. So like if I'm having a conversation with um, a, an agent or someone else and they start using language and they're, t- they're talking about a decision, it becomes like really evident, like really quickly that the decision that they're making where they stand on whether they're making this decision out of fear or whether they're making this decision out of real like love. And people often like ask like, what do you mean out of love? Like, right. <laughs> I don't love my, you know, th- this business decision Right. But it, it looks and smells and sounds like, are you operating from a place of potential or love towards something? Mm-hmm. Um, or are you doing it because fear is like driving you from behind? So I'll get really specific for people. Um, I have had to make tough decisions about agents, right? Because we a brokerage is set up. You've got all these independent contractors. They all are their own entity. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird relationship where it's a mutual decision. They've chosen to work in your brokerage. Mm-hmm. You've chosen 
to allow them to, to have that connection, but either party at any point in time can decide it's not working for them and just go. And that's very different than having an employee employer relationship. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I love it because it basically says this is either going to work for us or it's not going to work for us. And we don't have to stay in relation. We don't have to stay in the situation if it no longer works for either party. And that helps me really stand up as a leader and an owner to make an, an environment that works for the vast majority of the people we have there. Um, and it keeps me motivated to do that. And it also allows them like, it, it allows them to understand that I might not, um, if it's not working or if your behavior is not in sync with what we're trying to achieve, I'm gonna tell you, like, mm -hmm. and it may not work out. Um, and so there's been times where I've had to make tough decisions about brokers and, and it's easy. It's super easy in real estate, especially to say, well, I can't, I can't not have this person, um, be in the brokerage. Then we make less money. Like for every right. less person that we have, um, it's a big chunk of our profit. Mm -hmm. And so when I start to think about that, or I start to talk about that, it's like, am I coming from a place of fear that we are losing this person and we are losing market share and we are losing money? Or am I coming from a place of like, I love my vision for our brokerage. I love our culture so much. I love, and honestly, I love this human and they are not in the right environment for them. Like mm -hmm. it's not, this is not working for them clearly. And I don't suppose that our environment and our brokerage is for everyone. Like, really, we're not the right fit. I flat out tell people that in interviews sometimes it's like, I don't think we're going to be able to give you what you're looking for. This is a very different, you know, environment. And this isn't, this might not be a good match. So, but I can't have those conversations and I can't do that if I'm focused on the potential loss and the fear instead of the love for what could be for yeah. not just us but for them as well. Yeah. It takes such courage to lead from that place because it's so, so different from what so many of us have um, kind of ingrained in our culture. Yeah. Um, well, you have to have, um, you have to, the abundance mindset says you have to have faith or you have to have a true belief that there's always enough, you know, that there's yeah. always enough just because I may be losing this agent. I don't know what space that's going to open up for, another agent down the road that's mm -hmm. an even better fit. Or mm -hmm. you just, if you don't have faith that there's always going to be enough, even when it feels like there isn't. Um, mm. it's yeah. And, and there's a component in that. I think it, that is getting more comfortable in uncertainty and, and just being willing to kind of ride that wave of emotion that comes up, but not let it just completely take you down. Um, but just kind of recognize, oh, I'm feeling that uncertainty wave and now I'm going to allow it to flow and <laughs> let it go. Right. Yeah. Totally. It's Feel the feels and yeah, it's a really hard skill. Before we started hit record, uh, we were talking about our early 20s <laughs> adventures and how that has related to our relationship to fear. And so I was hoping we could spend a little time just talking about that because I think it's a really nice different yeah things. totally oh I had I had um 
said that I had received a eight page handwritten letter from my girlfriend in New Zealand, who I had spent my early twenties there adventuring with. And neither of us, like we both, she has three kids. I have two, like both of us have our you know, non-adventurous lives now, <laughs> relatively speaking, right? And uh, outdoors, I would say. Um, we're not hurling ourselves down grade three <laughs> rapids or climbing huge peaks. But she, you know, was sharing in the letter that she and her husband, who was also um, in our course, um, reflect all the time on all the ancillary benefits that mm. we can see clearly now that having lived that life and having learned how to communicate and deal with risk and um, take on challenges and deal with fear um, and sort of uh, confidence building in the outdoors has related to very clearly has related to how we're all operating in the world today. And I just think, I mean, my God, Morgan, I know, you know, this feeling like where you're literally feel like you're going to have a heart attack right before you're about to like, and for you, you know, it, it was different. Like we had to be at the top of a rapid and your boat comes out of that eddy and you're just in it. Rocket. Like, and there's yeah. no going back. There's no going back. And I think that that's, that's what the outdoors does to you. You get to those points where you purposefully put yourself into a position where there's no going back mm -hmm. and you just, you're, you've got a deal. And I think that too much of um, our society is like, uh, you know, and they can just like check out, like as mm -hmm. soon as it gets tough, as soon as it gets scary, as soon as their heart starts to beat a little bit too hard, you know, they went out. I honestly, I feel this, like the same visceral physical feelings happen when me and my husband are in a fight sometimes. Oh yeah. Or when I'm about to have a really hard conversation with a colleague or a staff or, or a meeting, you know, where I have a difference of opinion, it literally feels the same way. Mm. And because I think it's a familiar feeling and because nowadays I'm probably not going to die yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the likelihood of death is not as big it's, it's, it's okay. Like, yeah. it's, okay. but your body still responds that way. I yes. think that's, what's so amazing is yes. like, okay, you're in a rapid and you actually literally could die. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. um, and so your, your body responds, but like you get, for me, what happens is like the, I become so laser focused and mm. so instinctual. And I know exactly what I need to do at every moment. And it's just, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not thinking about anything beyond just getting down or, I mean, I, I experienced that a lot in, um, sorry, excuse me, in bike racing. Uh, there's a lot of that when you're in a Peloton, you're going 50 miles an hour with like yes. 20 or 30 different women. And you're just like, I know exactly where I need to be and what I need to be doing. And I'm not thinking at all about yeah. anything else. Um, uh, uh, but, and then, but then in our day-to-day -day situations, when you are in that hard conversation or in that fight, mm -hmm. your body erupts with those same sensations. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, I think the hard part is sitting with those sensations. Like when you're in the outdoors and you're moving, mm -hmm. you, you have the ability oh to process them through when you're in face-to-face -face in an argument with your husband, 
it's totally like, different. How do you sit mm-hmm. with those sensations? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I, I don't. I, I have to go. <laughs> I yeah. go walk around the block and yeah. then come back to it. Yeah. Totally. But I think in, yeah, in, in translating that to like that kind of situation, it's like being brave enough to still like come back. Right, right to the conversation, like mm-hmm. to cut, like it's okay. This is not going to kill me. This is only going to make me stronger, and I know that from experience. Mm-hmm. These feelings of, you know, heart racing and anxiety are not something to be totally like avoid completely. Like yeah. I think some people try to like complete. The minute it starts to feel like that, anything in life starts to yeah. feel like that. They've convinced themselves that it's a bad thing, and they need to avoid it completely. And I think we both, we embrace that feeling because that's where the growth happens that's where the growth a lot of the is. time. Yeah. Like if I'm not feeling feelings of fear, if I'm too comfortable and too like just complacent, like I, if I'm too like, oh, I got this and I don't ever feel those stretchy feelings, I'm, yeah. that's not good. That's not good for someone <laughs> like me. Like, because I know that then I've, I'm not growing. I'm not challenging myself. I'm not stretching. And that's kind of become a, basically a bit, I think a theme in life. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one of my first experiences, um, uh, with like a really intense outdoor experience, um, was when I was learning to scuba dive. Do you scuba dive? I, I don't remember. I tried once, but I don't, um, I can't equalize. Oh, the ears. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so it, when I was learning to scuba dive, I was probably like 19 or 20. And I was out in the San Juan Islands, so cold water, a little uncomfortable. And one of the things I always struggled with was taking off my mask because, you know, the water's going up your nose, you're underwater and you're trying totally. to breathe. And it's like, wait, I don't, the rhythm is totally different. And so I was underwater getting certified and I don't know, I was not too deep, but um, it just the vast spaciousness of everything around me and it was super overwhelming. And so he had me take off my mask and he was sitting there just right next to me, holding onto me on the ground, on the bottom. And I took off my mask and I immediately started shaking my head and just flipping out, like just completely flailing and trying to get out and and he's holding me down I'm like let me go and so I shot up to the surface which is scuba diving is a no-no like you don't do that we were we were pretty shallow so it was a training dive but I remember my um, instructor coming to the surface and he looked me square in the eyes he said you always have a choice you always have a Mm. choice of whether you will freak out or you will keep it under control and you cannot lose it when you're under that underwater. And for some reason, that moment just was, it's so powerful. And I always, always have a choice. It. Yeah, you always have a choice. And so we went back down, we took my mask off, it was still super hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I made it through it. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and got through it, got certified and, you know, have done scuba diving ever since. And, um, but that sensation of like, you can either completely lose it mm-hmm. or you can choose, choose a different path. And yeah. that has been one of the most valuable lessons that I think mm-hmm. I have been able to, and it, God, that was like just one tiny little instant, yeah. um, you know, 20 plus years ago and it yeah. still stuck with me. Yep. Yeah. So That's I love, I, yeah. Outdoors I just, just does that. Like it just uh, offers so many of those moments. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sure care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, you know, and also like even the smaller discomforts of it, like yeah. what am I, I chose to be here sleeping yeah. in the snow and still have two days ahead of like this madness. Um, but then the moments are just, Oh, like yeah. there's a reason. There's yeah. Reason. Yeah. Sure. The finding comfort in the discomfort. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I thought I wanted to circle back on that you talked about earlier was that the kind of partnering or with unlikely partners and the role that um, kind of we all have in creating the types of change that we want to see in the world. And uh, for Earth Day, I was watching the Jane Goodall uh, documentary called The Hope. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, Jane Goodall is so inspiring to me. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things she's gotten a huge amount of criticism with on is that she partnered with an oil company to create a Mm -hmm. chimpanzee reserve. And she has done a lot to sit down with industry that is otherwise deemed bad or evil. And she has done a lot to like work with villagers to figure out how they can be part of the conservation and really transition from this is about saving the chimpanzees to this is about saving humans and also chimpanzees. And I loved her approach. And she was talking so much about how we need to all learn to sit down and talk to each other, even when we disagree with each other. Yes. And I, this is hard for me. Like I work, you know, still in the environmental field. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to sit down with people who are making decisions that feel just out of alignment with the direction mm-hmm. that I want to see us going. Mm-hmm. But I could spend forever talking with people that I agree with. Yes. <laughs> They're just reaffirming. Totally. And I think part of that is like getting more comfortable in that uncomfortable conversation and yes. discomfort. And that's something that you do just so beautifully. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're always so willing to have hard conversations. Well, I was, I, yeah. And this comes back to, you know, my work at the, um, in the days with you at the state. Um, it was just, you have to get past your own motivators and drivers and look at the other human and be okay with their motivators and drivers. Like, what are the, what are the barriers for them? Like, what does their actual life look like? They don't, they may not care at all about saving the planet. Like that might not be their thing whatsoever, but they do care about some things. Like they, everyone cares about some things. Mm -hmm. And until we like are willing to slow down long enough and really get curious and listen to them, to be able to get to that place. Like it's just, we can bang our head against the wall all day long. We can spend all the money um, that the environmental field does um, without, you know, but just it, it's going to be wasted to a large degree unless we're willing to look at our human, the other humans that in an environmental field likes to pit the bad guys, the people who are doing bad things they're still humans. Like we're all humans and nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the most environmental people, you know, there can be, if they put themselves under their own lens could have fault found. And but it's just, that's a losing, that is a losing game. Like completely. Right. Just, yeah. 
Well, and you've heard, you know, I know you're a fan of Brene Brown. And one of the things that really sticks with me is she talks about the disbursement of pain is blame. So when we can't sit with the pain and reality of the situation, we like to push it out on everybody else. And I feel like that is a lot of what happens when you're working in a change-based industry and an industry that's really trying to promote a particular value um, for our culture and society. Um, And it's, painful because you're constantly feeling like you're being knocked down and drug and you're like, why doesn't anybody else see this? And, um, and because it is so uncomfortable and it is so personal, it's so easy to start blaming others. And that is kind of putting yourself in a bit of a lack mentality. And it's definitely not that love and compassion, um, leadership that you were talking about. Totally. And, and it's, you're basically acting in the same way at that point as the people on the other side as viscerally as they are acting on the other side of an issue if that makes sense like you're 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 operating from the same place i always i love the whole if it feels hysterical it's historical and i think that anybody who is at extremes in an issue where they get like almost to a hysterical feeling place about something it's not about that issue it's a about where it's about historical it's about what's going on in your life it's about where you're coming from and i don't think that as a in any of our industries we do enough of that internal work to really know like why am i so especially i think in the environmental field because you can just you can just say i'm hysterical about this because it's right yeah exactly what's happening is wrong yeah that's right and that the guys on the other side of the issue that are feeling Mm -hmm. equal hysterical about it are saying exactly the same thing, exactly the same thing. And when you get to that level of passion, um, it's because there's something else, there's other stuff going on. When you can't Mm -hmm. calmly come to a conversation like Jane Goodall (laughs) against your enemy, like it's because you've got some work to do. You've got some work to do about being a human and where this is coming from and why you're getting to that hysterical place yeah yeah totally yeah. may we all embody our own Jane <laughs> way of being Jane. <laughs> I know. yeah right. but it is I think um, I've learned a lot through the work of Byron Katie about mm-hmm. how so much of what we're um, uncomfortable about in a relationship has to do with our own insecurities and our own fears and self judgments. Mm-hmm. And so we bring that in through these conflicts instead of like sitting down and recognizing, um, you know, you will often say, I want so-and-so to stop yelling. And it's like, well, no, actually I want myself to stop yelling. I want right. myself to be calm. It's right. not really about them. It's if I find mastery over myself and my own emotions and the way mm-hmm. I am in the world, if I can come into a situation with that, then you know, it doesn't really matter how the other person reacts because I am staying in my, in my zone. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, that's huge. Like whenever you have a colleague who is just driving you nuts or, you know, you have fears around perceived, like how you perceive that they're thinking about you or what they're doing or what they're bringing like really being able to take that time to breathe and reflect in that for the, how it's showing up actually in you and mm-hmm. coming from you 
man, that's some game changing stuff. It's hard to believe. It's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is it's definitely them. them. This cannot they need be. to change. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. This is not. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, is it tough when you really realize, oh no, that's actually, that's quite me. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, so I think we might've talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to just kind of, we're in the middle of COVID, right? We're in yeah. the middle of quarantine. And I like to think about if this COVID-19 could be an opportunity to redirect or to change, how, what would be the one thing that you would wish for people moving from how it was, which felt unsustainable or mm -hmm. was maybe we were acting in a way that didn't feel quite centered and aligned. Mm. And if COVID-19 can be that transition, that, that pain, and then we come out the other side, what would you hope that we would do or have or release mm -hmm. that would create change? Um, well, okay. So let me, let me process this a little bit with okay. you out loud. Um, one of the things that I see happening and I, I went through this myself was the, like, I, I just, I just need this to be over. Like, I'm just going to survive through this and it'll be over at some point. And you can do that for a while. And I think that's where it's like, you're feeling a pain. I don't want to get curious about it. I just want it to go back to normal. I see this. I see this in some of my friends, my colleagues, like that. It's just like this. This is bringing up things. This is bringing up emotions. I'm, you know, going to survive it versus people who are like, okay, like what is going on with all of this? Where is this really, what is this bringing up for me? Is it a control issue? Is it an identity and ego issue? Is it a, um, a like I'm I'm gonna fight against change issue like where and where is that coming from and if you you guys we don't know how long this is gonna be mm -mm. we don't and and regardless it you're gonna throw away this opportunity if you don't really get still and curious and embrace and pretend like this is our forever so what are you gonna do about it like. Mm -hmm. If you pretend like this is our forever, then you actually start to deal with the feelings that it's causing and the, the grief and the, the visceral reactions and the things. If, pretend like, and then deal and it will change your life going forward. Like, and figure out what those changes are that when you, when it goes back to normal, um, that you're not gonna give up anymore. Because if you can find that peace in this place, you're, you've discovered something that you would have never had the opportunity to discover before. If we had just kept living life normal and COVID had never happened, mm -hmm. then we just, there's, there are gifts in this that are there for the taking, but you know, it's hard, <laughs> it's really hard for people to like accept that. Cause they're just yeah. gonna, they're just going to grit their teeth and you're going to get through this until mm -hmm. the bitter end. And then everything will be better because they'll be able to, distract themselves with normal life against those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I noticed for myself, like where I was when this first started, where I was just in hyper planning mode and just like 
control, control, control. And to now I feel like so much more like ability to just go with the flow and be with whatever's coming. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I've deployed a lot of my tools. I've been doing mm-hmm. Tara Brock rain meditations and I've been doing my morning routine. I've been, you know, it's like I've been in training for this experience. <laughs> I didn't even know. It's like back to my bike racing. I'm like, yeah. I'm training, training, training for years. This is so what we I train can- for. <laughs> The first two weeks, I was like in my element, right? I was like, this is what I made for. Like, we're going to figure this out. We're going to put the systems in place. We're going to connect. I'm going to be there for everybody all the time. Like, we're going to get trainings and we're going to deal with all the things and we're going we're gonna to pivot everywhere. We're going to pivot up a storm, you know? And, um, and, and all of a sudden, after two weeks, it was like, okay, I did all the things. I've, like, I've, I've created the front of the battle now what? Yeah. And then came the flood of like, well, if I'm not the leader in chaos, if I'm not able to like fix everybody's problems and, and control this and be there present for, to give them value, like who am I as a leader? Right. Like, and then all the insecurities and the, you know, doubt and the, and the, and the grief, you know, and the, confusion about how to go forward and you know there was a week or two of that process Mm -hmm. and to really go okay what is this bringing up for me like where is this going and then I very much feel like in the last couple weeks there's been for me at least a lot of okay okay like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm back into abundance I'm back into love of self of family of situation of mm-hmm. others I'm not like the world is not going my world is not going to end and combust and I know for some other people this is not their boat that they're in the storm in I get mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but um it, I was able to like raw and then process and it was really tough and now like okay here's yeah it's yeah it's been awesome. and it it's very cyclical, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not every moment is like living in rainbows and kittens and unicorns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that it's like the ability to sit with the stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm swearing yet, but I would yeah. usually <laughs> say sit with this. Um, and just allowing that to be and not trying to push it away or numb it right. out or go and right. do something else, but just allowing that experience. Because in normal life, when we have that feeling or something like that comes up, we're able to just like, I got to carry on. I got to get the kids to school. I got to get to work. There's like, I'm going to go and um, have wine with my girlfriends and vent it all out. And so I don't have to like sit with it by myself or I'm going to go see my therapist or whatever. And here we just have to like, like Uh, like there's no distracting away from it yeah there's been a whole new level I've never really um liked the word surrender Mm. like I've always felt like it felt very disempowering that you didn't like that (laughs) (laughs) there's no surrender surrendering. (laughs) you know me too well anyway but I have found a new level of comfort like I found this new level of like oh I get it oh Mm. this is oh that's what surrender is mm. um so yeah. I worked a long time with the word acceptance which I also really mm. struggle with 
Mm -hmm. uh, but surrender is a little bit different, but it's just this full body, like, okay, I'm open. I'm willing. I'm willing to go through this and I'm willing to learn from it. And totally. it's been a interesting journey though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Don't well, wish it again, but it's been, you know, everything can be looked at as a blessing, I think. Yeah. Well, I am just always so inspired talking to you mm -hmm. and I feel like I'm like lit up. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> um, it's just so, just so exciting and empowering to know that there are humans in the world like you. <laughs> no, same. same. We always say this whenever we get together, we're both I like, know. I know. <laughs> like finding <laughs> your tribe, find your tribe people. And yeah, that's right. Them. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I can't wait to give you like a real life in-person hug. I know. <laughs> we need a bike ride this summer. Absolutely. If we're ever allowed. Yes. Yeah. Whenever, whenever yeah. we're allowed, we will do that. Yes. Um, but until then, thank you so much, Kristen, for coming mm -hmm. on and sharing your wisdom with us. And we so appreciate you. Well, thank you for hosting these conversations. These are important. They are. I really appreciate it. All right. Such a light in life. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Kristen. Bye.